Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. John the Baptist similarly questioned in a time of difficulty in his life. When he was free and preaching the gospel, he boldly declared of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But later, when he was arrested and was facing execution, he sent messengers to Jesus asking, Are you the one or should we look for another? Basically, if I'm going to lose my life over this, I need to know for certain that you're the Messiah. So one, he once boldly declared, he now questions in the time of trial. When his circumstance changed, the uncertainty of his situation also caused him to become uncertain about who Jesus really is and to question what he had previously so confidently believed. And folks, it happens to all of us if we would be honest. I don't care how long we've served the Lord. I don't care how much scripture we can quote. I don't care what ministries we've been involved in. Amen. And sometimes we just need to be assured that the God we so confidently trusted in in the time of blessing is the same God in the time of trouble, and he has not forgotten us. Uh, the scripture says in Psalm 90, verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Folks, he doesn't change. And again, it, the scripture says in Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Amen. He is the same God in the sunshine as he is in the rain. He is the same time in the, God in the time of blessing as he is in the time of trial. So in this series, we're going to be looking at our unchanging God in an ever-changing world. And in today's message, we're going to be looking at the fact that God sees you no matter what you are going through. Wow. I'm reminded of the story I read about a family whose uh, house was on fire. And each parent tried to grab a few belongings and, and to take a hold of a child's hand to get out of the house as quickly as possible. But a little, the little girl broke loose from her father's hand and ran upstairs in order to get her favorite teddy bear. Trying to come back down, the flames were uh, uh, overwhelming the staircase so she couldn't make her way down. So she ran back up to her room and began yelling for her daddy out her window. And the father shouted back, jump down, I'll catch you. And since she couldn't see her father because of all of the smoke, the little girl cried, I'm scared to jump, Daddy. I can't see you. And her father replied, don't worry, honey. Just jump. I'm right under you. I'll catch you. Even though you can't see me, I can see you. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Folks, our Heavenly Father sees us all the time, even when we cannot see Him. The Bible teaches us again and again that God sees us, and He sees everything that is taking place in the world and in our life. For instance, in Psalm 33, verses 13 through 15, it says, From the heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on earth. 
he who farms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. And three times in the psalm, in the, psalm uh, the psalmist uses the word all. God sees every person. He sees you. He sees me. He sees everything we do. He sees everything that's going on in our life. And that can be comforting to us. Or to be honest, sometimes it can be fearful depending on how we are living. Amen. But God sits on the throne of heaven and his eyes are always on us. In Proverbs 15, 3, the wisdom writer says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And in Ezekiel 1, 18, Ezekiel re receives a vision from the Lord in which God is figuratively depicted as a wheel within a wheel, meaning that he can go in any direction, and the wheels were covered with eyes on every side. And that means that God sees everything, everywhere, all the time. Amen? But the scripture verse that we're going to be using as a text for our message this morning is Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. The scripture says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? And what he's referring to is the fact that in ancient times, they would build altars on the mountains to false gods. And he's saying, does my help come from any of these gods? And of course, the answer is no. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, and Israel is God's people, and it refers to us as well. We are the new Israel as the church. He who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. Hallelujah. Four times in the psalm, we are reminded that God watches over us. I remember when my father passed about 10 years ago because my father was always very protective, you know, uh, of all of his kids. But um, whenever I would visit my parents and we would, I would get ready to leave, he would walk me to the door and, you know, he would give me this speech about, you know, check your tires every time you get in the car. If you pull up at night to a stop sign, look around you. And, you know, always watching over his children. And one of the things I miss most the first time I visited my mother after he had passed was that I walked out the door and no one was watching over me. But you know what? Our Heavenly Father, He watches over us 24-7. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Hallelujah. See, He is, God is so different from us because we get tired. Parents, you watch over your kids. But you know, there's times you can't see them and be with them, and there's times you get tired and you sleep. But you know, God is so different from us. Uh, we have to sleep, but he never wearies and he never sleeps. He's watching over us 24-7, even when we are sleeping. Amen? And, and, and we believe and we are confident that God is always watching over us. But if God is always watching over us in order uh, to protect us and, and keep us safe and, and, and to care for us, 
How is it that sometimes we suffer and sometimes bad things happen to us? When we or, or someone we love gets that dreaded diagnosis or someone we love or ourselves are injured in a car accident or we lose our job or, or go through some other traumatic experience, how come God wasn't watching over us then? Or so we ask. Our amen turns into a question. God, are you sure that you see me? Because if you see everything, why would you allow this to happen to me? Now don't sit there all quiet, like you're so holy, polishing your halo, because you know we ask those questions, amen? So we want to look at the unchanging God who always sees and what that means for us. God sees what we cannot see. See, we, we can only see the visible, but God sees so much beyond. God sees what we cannot see. We see in part, but God sees the whole. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul writes, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Turn to your neighbor and say, what I know is partial and incomplete. He goes on to say, but then... But then I will know everything, what? Completely. Just as God now knows me completely. See, God's knowledge is complete. God's knowledge is not limited. But our knowledge is limited. And so sometimes we judge a circumstance and we judge God based on our limited knowledge. But this side of eternity, our knowledge is partial. It's incomplete. That's why there's a song that says, in the sweet by and by, we will understand it better in the sweet by and by. Amen? We don't understand it now because we see in a very limited way, in a very incomplete way. But God's knowledge is unlimited. God's knowledge is complete. He sees and knows everything. You know, for those of you that are football fans, um, the coach of the team, he stands on the sidelines with the team. But most offensive and defensive coordinators are not on the sidelines. They spend their time up above in the press box because it's up high where they can see the entire field. The coach's view is limited because he's on the sideline. But when they're up high in the press box, they have a more complete view of what's going on. So they are able to better strategize and call plays and, 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 and know what's going on in the, in, the, in, in the team and what needs to be done because they can see what others cannot see. It gives them a better perspective to devise a strategy needed to win the game. The psalmist reminds us that from the heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. 
God has a different perspective, a better perspective than us because he's up high and he can see everything. We're down on the sideline and our scope of vision is limited. Amen? So God understands better what needs to be done. God is seated on his throne and he has a unique position that enables him to see things that we cannot see. Just remember the story of when God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint a new king for Israel. And Jesse calls his sons. And Samuel is impressed with the eldest son named Eliab because, of course, in that culture, the eldest one is the one with the birthright that gets the double blessing. And so he, he, he thinks to himself, the prophet Samuel thinks to himself, surely this must be the one that God has chosen. He's the eldest. And most likely, Eliab was tall and, and had an uh, impressive outward appearance. And Samuel prepares to anoint Eliab, but God stops him. And God tells him, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel moves down the line of Jesse's six sons. And God keeps saying, no, 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 no. And finally, the prophet Samuel turns to Jesse and said, do you have any more kids? And he said, well, I got one scrawny little teenager, but he's out in the field. You know, he likes to play the harp. Certainly he can't be the next king. I'm just kind of improvising there because that's not exactly what the Bible says, but that was the implication. And so Samuel says, call him. And, and when he calls this little red-haired, freckly-faced musician kid from the, uh, from the field, God says, that's the one. That's the one because he has a heart after me. So even, even David's own father didn't think him to be king material. But when he came, God said, this is all. Folks, God does not see the way that we see. We judge by what is visible. We judge by outward appearance. But God sees so much more than what we see. God sees what we don't see. And sometimes when bad things happen, we question, maybe God doesn't see what I'm going through. Maybe God doesn't care. But God sees more than we see. And that is the biggest factor in why he doesn't always do what we think he should do. Amen? Because we all have a picture in our mind of how we think God should work. But God knows so many other factors that are not known to us. And folks... That's why God is perfect in all of his ways. He makes no mistakes. Amen. We see the moment. God sees the end. When life gets hard, we judge God based upon the pain and suffering of the moment. Because we don't see the end. We don't see what God is going to do and how God is going to bring us out of this. And how God is going to turn it around for his glory and our good. Amen. So, so we look at the moment of pain, we look at the moment of suffering, and we think, God, how could you possibly allow this to happen? I don't see how any good could come out of the circumstances. And God says, that's okay, you don't need to see. I see. I see. We can't see 
how God brings beauty out of ashes or how he turns mourning into the oil of joy or how he takes away uh, uh, the, the, the garments of mourning and he exchanges them for a garment of praise. We can't see how God can do that, but God is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the eternal God. He is the I am that I am. And I want you to get it in your soul as the I am that I am. He possesses all of time in his being. He possesses past, present, and future in his being. Amen? So there's nothing that's happened in the past that he does not know. There's nothing that is going to happen in the future that he does not know and that he is not in control of. Amen? We see the past. We may have regrets. We may have, uh, 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 you know, failures in the past. Whatever. But God can redeem all of that. And we see the present and we're limited only by the circumstances that we see in front of us. But God says, I don't have the limitations that you have. And I declare the end of a thing before the beginning. So I already know before it even happens, I already know what I'm going to do. One of the stories that brings this home to me is the story of Joseph. We just finished a series on Wednesday night on the story of Joseph. But this is amazing to me. The day that Joseph goes out to, to, to look over his brothers and see if they're doing their job and they get all angry at him because he has shared these dreams of leadership with them and they conspire to kill him, right? And one of his brothers step in and stops, him from, stops them from killing their brother and then Judah steps up and, and he sees a band of slave traders passing by and he says, why don't we sell him? And that way we can make some money off of him. Now, we know that eventually God used all of that to position Joseph to where he'd become prime minister of Egypt, and during a time of famine, he would save you know, Israel and, and the people of God from that famine. So we know how it turned out because we can read it now in retrospect, right? But Joseph didn't know it at the moment. But the thing that I want us to focus in, for that band of slave traders to have arrived at that moment at that time, it is estimated that they had to set out on their journey three weeks before. So before the need ever arose, God was already providing the vehicle to transport Joseph to where he wanted him to be. Folks, God sees all things, amen? And he holds all of time in his being. And before you ever have a need, God is already preparing the answer for you. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Before the trouble ever came into your life, God saw it, God knew it, but he also knew what he would do to bring about the end that would be for your good and his glory. He knew how he would work in it in order to fulfill his goodwill and purpose for your life. Amen. So we see the moment, God sees the end. We also see the scene, but God sees the unseen. God sees what's happening in the spirit realm. He sees the spiritual battle that is raging all around us. We may see the physical impacts of what the enemy is doing, but we don't often see or sometimes we are not aware of the unseen forces that are at work. It's kind of like Job. Remember Job's story when in a single day he suffered the loss of all of his wealth and then he suffered the loss of all of his children due to a freak storm that just came up suddenly and then he suffered the loss of his own health. But he was not aware of what was behind the scenes causing all of those problems. But now we read it in retrospect 
and we read how Satan came into the courts of heaven and he said, does Job serve you for no reason? The only reason he serves you is because you have blessed him and, and you've given him you know, wealth and you've given him a big family. And all, but if you take that away from him, he's going to curse you. And so he says, give me permission to attack him. And that's how the story of Job begins to unfold. But Job was not aware of that. Amen. And God already knew what he would do in the end to turn the situation around. And Job wasn't aware of that. You see, we can only see the scene, but God sees the unseen. And there is so much taking place around us that is impacted by the unseen realm. Now, I was reading an article about aviation, and, and the article said that on, at any given time, the average of commercial cargo, military, and private jets on, in the sky are about 17,500. And they are allowed to come within 1,000 feet of vertical airspace. That's not a whole lot when you're traveling at several hundred miles an hour. That's how close that they're able to come. But according to this article, there is a flight tracking software that keeps track of the exact location of every plane in the sky. And that's what keeps them from having mid-air collisions. You're just in your little plane and you just, you see, you know, you're going along your journey and all you can see is your plane. But there's all sorts of stuff going on all around you that you cannot see. And thank goodness for that flight tracking software that keeps everything moving and keeps it from colliding. God is like that flight tracking software, amen? There is so much going on around. We just see our little life. But the enemy, he's moving all around us. Things are happening every, every direction, amen? And surely if it had not been for the mercies of our God, as uh, Nehemiah, uh, Jeremiah writes, we would have been destroyed. But he is faithful and his mercies are new to us every morning. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. You know, the pilots can't always see the location of other planes. Air traffic control, they have a limited view on their radar, so they cannot always see all of what is happening. You know, but, but there is this controlling software that keeps everyone safe. And God is watching over us. And, you know, sometimes he gives us a little glimpse in his word to let us be aware of what is happening in the spirit realm. He doesn't give us too much because I think if he gave us too much, we might be stricken with fear. But he tells us we are not fighting against flesh and blood but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. But we can stand and withstand in the power of his might, and he has given us spiritual armor to cover and to protect us. Amen? But what he's telling us is that there's a lot happening behind the scenes that we do not see. But he sees and knows everything. He sees Satan prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He sees all the moving pieces of the puzzle that Satan is using to afflict and oppress our lives. And God is working in all of it for our good and for his glory. Safely guiding us from danger and destruction. Amen. Praise the Lord. God, this is our second principle, God sees me and he sees you. 
Do you know that God's very name means the God who sees me? I love to study the names of God. They are so rich because they reveal the character and the attributes of God. And in the Old Testament, one of the names through which God revealed himself is the name Jehovah Elroy. Now, that doesn't mean he's from Alabama or Georgia because he's named Elroy. It's the Hebrew word L-R-O-I, Roy, amen. And it literally means the God who sees. But not only does he see everything in a general sense, he is a personal God who sees each of us individually and is intimately aware of everything that is taking place in our life. And the story in the Bible through which God reveals himself as Jehovah Elroy is the story of a pregnant woman in the wilderness by herself named Hagar. You might remember the story. God gave Abraham a promise that he would have a son. And through that son, a great nation. And out of that nation would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But for all of those promises to be fulfilled, Abraham had to have a son. Problem being, Abraham and Sarah were already old by the time the promise came. And with every passing year, they were getting older. And the promise was looking more impossible. Because all this time that they were married, Sarah had been barren. And so finally, they did what we often try to do, and that's when things are not happening as fast as we think God should be moving, we come up with a plan to help God out. Little do we know that often our plan is really messing up God's plan. Amen? And so they made a plan. And Sarah said, it was common practice in that day, she said, why don't you go into my handmaid? Use her as a surrogate in order for us to have a baby. And somehow she convinced this mighty man of faith, Abraham, to do things in the flesh. And uh, they thought they were helping God out and solving the problem. And so he went into Hagar and she got pregnant. But they only created a mess because when she got pregnant, guess what? Sarah started to get jealous. And it started to cause a lot of problems in the home. And so uh, Hagar ran into the wilderness. She had no legal recourse. She had nobody else to turn to. So she ran alone into the desert. And can you imagine a woman in that culture, alone, pregnant, with no one to turn to in the desert? She was most likely feeling broken, feeling used, feeling forsaken, maybe filled with despair, thinking that she and her baby are going to die in the desert. But it is there, alone in the desert, that God appeared to her. And God promised, I am the Lord who sees you. And you are going to have a son. And that son is going to give you more descendants than you could number. That son would become the father of the Arabs. While Sarah's son, when she later conceived, became the father of the Jews. But we can see that they made a mess of things because God said that the Arabs would also, all, the, the, the son of Hagar uh, and his descendants would always be in contention against Isaac and his descendants. And what do we have in the Middle East today? Constant conflict between the Arabs 
and the Jews, and it all stemmed back to Abraham and Sarah trying to help God out. Child of God, be careful to not try to help God out because you just mess things up. Amen? We got to trust God. But God appears to Hagar in the wilderness in the midst of her hopelessness, thinking that this is the end. She and her son are going to die. And God gives her hope for a much brighter future. And Hagar declares, you are the God who sees me. That's the name Jehovah Elroy. And she said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Folks, God sees you. God is not just looking down on the world and seeing people in mass, like, like little ants crawling all around. God sees us personally. God sees us intimately. God cares about us individually. Amen? And God is unchanging. Who he was to Hagar, he will always be. Who he was to Hagar is who he is to us today. Amen? He is Jehovah Elroy. He sees you when you feel alone, forgotten, and like no one else understands what you're going through. He sees you when your heart is aching over your broken marriage. He sees you when you're worried because the bills are piling up and you have no idea how you're going to be able to pay them. He sees them when you sees you when you feel like your heart is being torn out of your chest because you just had a miscarriage. He sees you when your heart is filled with fear because you or your loved one was just diagnosed with a terminal illness. God sees you. He sees what you are going through and he loves you. That's why he invites us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Amen. And he sees every tear that you cry. And Psalm 56 verse 8 says, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. There are tears that you have wept that no one else on earth have ever seen or know about. But God sees every tear that has fallen from your eyes. And he paints this picture of God collecting your tears in a bottle and recording them in a book. And what it means is your tears matter to God. He cares about you. You are not alone. Hallelujah. The Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are of a crushed spirit. Hallelujah. God is near to you when your heart is broken and he will come through. For you. Folks, we may not be able to see God through the darkness of our trials. And we may not be able to see how He could be working anything good for us in the circumstances that we face. But one day, we will see a surprising end. God has already determined the end before the beginning. We will see how God indeed was working in all things for our good and that we were never, ever alone, not even for one instant. Because God was there watching over us 24-7. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He was right there with us every step of the way, even through life's darkest valley. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. As a child of God, you never take one step alone. He is right there with you. God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He cares for you, and he will work on your behalf as you trust him. But the first step to having the confidence that God sees you is to have a relationship with God. How do we have a relationship with God? We repent of our sins and we place our faith in Jesus as our Savior. Because you see, we are all sinners and sin has separated us from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross. He took the punishment that we deserved so that when we repent of our sins and place our faith in him, we can be forgiven and we can be made a child of God. We can be born again into the family of God. And if you're here today and you have never given your heart to Christ or maybe you did so several years ago and you've drifted away and you can feel God tugging at your heart, you know it's time to come back. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads with me? And if you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up? You can just slip it right up and put it back down. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray this prayer. I'm going to ask all of you to pray it together with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your son Jesus for me. Thank you. Jesus, that you love me so much that you offered your life as a sacrifice for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to ask you just to text uh, your email address to the number on the screen. Why? Because we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you to understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord because that prayer was not an end. It was the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God that we need to grow in. And we want to help you with that by sending you this little booklet free of charge. So if you would, just text your email address to the number on the screen so that we can send this book to you. And once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. I want to speak to those of us who have already placed our faith in Christ. Maybe you are or maybe you have gone through some painful or difficult circumstances that have left you questioning what you once so confidently believed. In your mind, you know what the scripture says, but with your heart, you question, where was God? when this terrible thing happened to me? Or does God really see what I'm going through? Does he care about me? Today, I wanna invite you to come to this altar and say, Lord, even when I can't see you, I trust that you are the God who sees me and help me to walk in faith and the confident assurance that you love me, that you are with me, and that you are working on my behalf. 
So I wanna invite you to come to this altar right now. If you've ever struggled with those questions, maybe you're struggling with those questions right now. Maybe you're going through something and you just need that confident assurance in your heart. Just make your way to the altar if you would. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's what this altar is for, folks. This is a place where we come and we surrender the questions, the fears, the concerns, the needs of our life, and we invite God to work. As you stand at this altar right now, just speak to God from your own heart. You know, you know the struggle that you're having. You know the questions that you've asked. Surrender them to God right now as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are still Jehovah Elroy. You are the Lord who sees. You are the Lord who comes to us in the midst of our hopelessness. You are the Lord who cares. And you are the Lord who works on our behalf. Lord, right now, some of these at this altar are going through trials, hard times, that have clouded their vision of you and may have caused their hearts to question. But Lord, we surrender those questions to you right now. Lord, we need your help. We need your strength. We need your grace. Father, I pray right now that you would just wrap your arms of love around each and every one at this altar. That you would just make your presence so very near to them, Lord God. That they would sense within the depths of their inner being an assurance of your love, of your care, and of your presence with them, Lord God. And Father, as we stand before you, we say, Lord, even though I don't understand what's going on in my life, even though I may not be able to see you or how you're working, today I choose to trust you, Lord God. I choose to trust you. Father, we surrender every care, every difficulty, every question into your hands today. And we thank you for your love for your faithfulness and for your mercies that are new to us every morning. And by faith, we receive the good end to which you are working in each of our lives. We thank you for it, and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.